Welcome to the Zeal Interestings podcast, where we discuss an interesting article or link from this week. I'm your host, Chris White. My co-host for this week is Jason Harrison. Hey, hey, everybody. Today, we're discussing an article by David Brian Copeland titled, Four Reasons Developers Are Unproductive. We've included a link to the article in our show notes. Jason, can you give us a quick summary of what the article is talking about? You bet. Uh, This article was one that was shared this morning in our morning stand-up. We have a little segment of stand-up where people share interesting articles. And this one came up, and it caught my attention because there was some good points being made by an obviously seasoned developer, but I had uh, some of my own opinions about some of these things as well. And generally speaking, the article is about productivity and what things make uh, developers unproductive. So yeah, he, he breaks it down basically into four areas, four reasons he calls them why developers are unproductive. So the first one is incompetence. The next one is uh, not working in an organized way, over-engineering, and then not solving the right problems. Gotcha. Uh, I thought the use of the word incompetence was interesting. He, I think he made the case for, it's not a bad word. It's not a bad word. Don't be scared to use the word incompetence. But I feel like it has such a negative connotation in our in our world that using that as like a an easy explanation for why you're not productive is not good necessarily. How do you feel about that? Uh, in fact, I'm, I'm glad that you uh, that you recognize that because that section was the one that I would say caught my attention the most. Specifically, again, uh, as you pointed out, the word is not a great word. We don't normally want to consider ourselves as incompetent. I think of incompetence as a a level of inability that is beyond just not knowing something. <laughs> so uh, it has it has a scale to me that is beyond the the level that I would hope most of software developers find themselves. But but the other thing that I found to me anyway, the way that I read the the points and I again I I do want to point out that David is no slouch. If you look at his uh, about page on his website, he's he's written books. He's definitely a seasoned developer. Um, so this is not a an assassination takedown of, of no, this individual, <laughs> not at all. But it really it really caught my attention because, uh, especially in what we do here at Zeal, we do have occasion to pair with junior developers, or in fact, have junior developers on staff. And some of the things that are mentioned in this article, I found myself framing around a junior developer and and how these things might uh, play out in, in that uh, world. So these are some perhaps like attributes of a junior developer that, that you see and that you've experienced and that... Mm-hmm. That's the lens, because that's in your memory, that's the lens through which you kind of read this article? Exactly. Well, and also because I, within my recent work, I've, I've had opportunity to work with people who may be less experienced than myself or, or uh, you know, who might otherwise be labeled as junior in, in many organizations. The other thing that I noticed as I uh, read through the whole thing is that for the most part, the other three reasons, if you will all really boil down to incompetence. <laughs> so really, there's only one reason in this article, uh, because the other ones are side effects of a lesser level of experience. I don't really like to use the word incompetence, but but the fact is yeah. that uh, they are all side effects uh, or symptoms of a person who hasn't had the experience of 
software development or you know large project efforts and things like that. Maybe bad habits of a person that isn't comfortable with with how to break down a system, like break down a larger mm-hmm. project into into pieces and and work their way through a project. I feel like the incompetence bullet mm-hmm. point is intended to be about unfamiliarity, right? Like if I'm unfamiliar with this topic, it will certainly take me longer to work through it yes. than someone who's familiar. But I like to use incompetence for people who are maybe dangerously incompetent, right? In that they they are unaware of the way that they're detrimenting a project. And and I agree and I in fact uh, some of the notes that I took uh, coincide with that thought exactly. The term that I coined from it um, that I think relates to what you're saying is, are they comfortably incompetent? Interesting. <laughs> In other words, do they even know that they're incompetent? Do they even know, are they aware of the absence of information and knowledge that they're uh, trying to approach a, a problem with? Because that is a very dangerous situation. Or someone, uh, you know, it, I, I feel like I've experienced organizations where they're shaming of people that just don't know things, which is which is silly because yep, no one was born knowing how to use action mailer correctly. That's right. But uh, no one actually knows that when they're born or when they t- get out of a computer science program necessarily or any other kind of program. But I feel like it's dangerous to create an environment where people want to pretend they do know or want to hide the fact that they don't know certain things. Right. I've definitely experienced cultures like that where it's like, I can't let people think that I don't know everything. That's right. Uh, And in fact, the notes that I took really sort of center around that. (sighs) There's a couple of angles I want to, I want to approach it with. One is, is the first being, if I'm a professional software developer or I'm that is my intention to be that, and maybe I'm just getting started. What am I doing to offset the potential of of this happening to me? Uh, what am I doing to uh, learn my tools? What am I doing to learn the APIs for the stack that you know, I the, work within? The, uh, what am I doing to learn the libraries and and these kinds of things? You know, David mentions Action Mailer in his article as a, as a thing to say. You know, he's not calling anybody out. He's he's saying we're all incompetent at some level. And again, I don't really like that word for for this description because effectively what it's saying is that there's things that we don't know. We don't all know all the things. But my thought about that was do I know enough to know that I don't know? Right. Do I know enough? For example, in my case, I've been doing Rails now since uh, 1.x something. So I've known that Rails could send emails. I've known that there were these abilities and these features. Now, have I memorized the Action Mailer API? No. Have I memorized even how to set that up in a new project? No. But I know it's a thing, and I know that it can do it. And so I know that I can... You're aware of the capabilities. Right. And so then I know that I can go either... I can look at the documentation, or I can, of course, like so many of us do rely on Google to find out what other people are doing with that same thing. And if there are best practices, I can quickly identify what those are because I know that Rails can send emails. If I am a developer in a in a Rails environment and I don't know that Rails can send emails, I have a problem. That's true. Right? That's true. <laughs> if you or if you don't know what the name of the Rails mail sending 
module is, right. you're going to have a disadvantage of getting started. Then again, I mean, Rails email probably takes you to, that Google search probably takes you to the action mailer right. doc site. So the next piece then is if the answers to the questions are so easily found, do I know what questions to even ask? Right. And that goes back to a little bit about what you were saying as far as environmentally, is it okay to ask questions? Is it okay to not know? But even if I even if I was in that environment, would my first inclination be to just strike off in a direction and hope that I know what I'm doing? Or would I at least do some cursory research into it and, and try to find that out. I'm going to give an example real quick, just on this topic of, you know, sort of incompetence, which again, I don't know, we've got to come up with a better word, but I have recently this year, 2017, I have sort of endeavored to learn more about video game development and I'm learning video game development in a language that I'm not supremely familiar in a game development environment that is new to me. But it seems like your enthusiasm and knowledge of pirates goes way back, though. <laughs> yes, it's true. Uh, but the one thing that I, I feel comfortable knowing is that there's a lot of things that I don't know and that there are a lot of people who have already gone down the paths that I will go down. And so I have to set my ego aside for a minute recognizing I've been a software developer now for most of my life. I, I've had a computer of one form or another for over 30 years, but I don't know how to make video games. And I can admit that and I can ask for help and I can chat with other folks who are learning also and other folks who know more than I do and, and ask those questions. But is it my experience of having done this stuff for so long that helps me know much quicker what I don't know? Than, than someone less experienced might be able to, to do. In other words, if I'm a junior developer, is it going to take me longer to figure out and to realize that I'm not really sure what I'm doing and then get help? That's true. How long do you live in the floundering world, right? Right. Like, I think that that's a mark of experience is how long you, there's, whenever you're learning anything, there's always a stage where you're mm -hmm. being ineffective. And I think that to a degree, you have to be comfortable with being ineffective because this this job is about learning. It is. Um, but how long do you stay there? It is, it, that's exactly right. And so, you know, part of that goes to, are you working in an environment that is supportive of not knowing and of learning? Are you inquisitive enough about the things that you're working with to maybe spend some of your own personal time in doing some research and looking into uh, more depth? Of the, of the frameworks or the libraries or the stack that you might be working in. This week in particular, I've, I've had a couple of occasions to pair with a junior developer who is not super experienced with, with Rails. And so there was opportunities to guide and direct as to certain solutions for certain problems, things that are, are well-known. You know, these things have easy straightforward answers once you know what they are. And th I think where that really comes into play is that you have a tight feedback loop, is that you have someone you can go to to say, hmm, I, I have this thought as an approach. I'm not 100% sure about it. What do you think? And and being able to to bring an experience, a level of experience to bear on that problem. and Try to establish a, a trajectory and then check that trajectory with, with other knowledgeable people. Yeah, exactly. That, it doesn't take a lot of time to prevent like that 
pull request, first reply is, I don't like the direction you're taking, or we've already done this a di- like a slightly different way, and you should just reuse that code. Waiting till that gets to like the pull request phase is very, uh, mm-hmm. very unproductive. It it is. Uh, it's a little late, and and that's where again I think as somebody who might be early in their career or or early in a new environment. Again, in my case, it's video game development, but it could be you know in a professional manner. It could be in Rails. It could be Node. It could you know it could be anything. It's much better to ask sooner than later because exactly what the point you just made is that if I go ahead and I throw up a solution and I ask for a review on my pull request and I'm way off. <laughs> right. Or it's like, this is great work. It, it, it's the exact same work that we did in this library that you could have used, but uh, right. great work. <laughs> yeah, that too. You know, there's so many of these things. I mean, this this field is so so broad and there's so many different ways to, to solve a problem that it really helps to have that experience. You know, again, this is, I don't know the answer to how to solve this problem. It, it, it comes down to a level of introspection and a level of maybe understanding where you really are and being comfortable not knowing or being comfortable realizing that you don't know and then reaching out for that help. Yeah, I agree. The, the part that I think is dangerous and that you mentioned earlier is when you are comfortable not knowing and are comfortable not asking for help. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> and Absolutely. You know, there's no mystery in this business that we are all always improving. And every day there are new things to learn and there are new depths to take our approaches to creating software. And, you know, some of that can be done on the job, but sometimes the, the project you're on may not necessarily get you there. And and what are you going to do to to hone that craft and to increase the depth of your knowledge of the things that you are hopefully learning to be an expert at? These are the the kinds of things that I thought about as I was reading the article. And what about and, some and, of the other parts of the article? He does talk about staying organized. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I thought that, that was an interesting thing. Like, I think he almost pitched it as both a way of continuing to be productive, but also giving the appearance of progress to your, like uh, to your management or whoever mm-hmm. your constituents are like producing some kind of artifact of your planning process, whether that's like a, you know, whether those are stories in the case of Agile, which is, you know, where, where we live or some other kind of planning document. Mm-hmm. It seems like that was a good suggestion. It, it was. And again, I think all of the remaining points of the article can be tied back to, do I have the experience to approach this? Do I have the experience to organize this task in a way that helps me get it done? Do I have the experience to break the problem down into pieces that I, at the level that I am able to work, can easily understand and consume? And do I need to get some outside help, some outside opinions in order to be able to achieve this? Uh, I think on the surface, the the notion of uh, having an artifact or or some sort of piece of your planning process to show for the fact that you've been planning is good-ish, but realistically, hopefully, you've broken down the problem into small enough pieces that that shouldn't take very long. And hopefully, you're also not just showing those artifacts, but also 
enlisting people, whether that be if you work with a team, other teammates, or if you are solo, as I was for so many years, reaching out to other people in the community or other developers that hopefully you've created some relationships with and saying, hey, again, here's my plan. Here's how I've broken it down. What do you think? Um, Because we can all improve in that area as well. Uh, Planning is one of those things that we can all get better at. We can all get better at analyzing a system and finding the parts of it that need to be created and in what order and those kinds of things. Again, it all comes back to experience and, and making sure that we are not living in a silo, not flying solo on it, you know, really trying to deliver the the best with leveraging the insight of of others who might have gone down this path before. Yeah. I like that he goes into the concept of outside in versus inside out, where an inside mm-hmm. out approach would be where you build an MVP that doesn't meet the requirements and then you flesh out those requirements or outside in is where you build a complete broken thing and make it work. And I found that both solutions are pretty valid depending on who you're working with, right? Like some projects, a team might like have a complete design document for what they want it delivered. And you can build out a non-functional version of that very quickly. And that can that can show a lot of progress and, and make your constituents like more comfortable with your process. But then again, some of them may be like, I want to make my users happy. <laughs> right. That's a little... What can we do today to make my users <laughs> That's happy? That's pretty broad, but... Maybe, um, maybe we can help you pull some to-dos out of that concept. But as far as showing progress, that can be, you know, what do you actually... What are the things that you do and how do you continue to show delivery and show progress? I feel like that's an issue that we run into pretty frequently as consultants. It, it most definitely is. And my my general thought on that is that you should be able to break down the things that you need to make into small enough pieces that you can be delivering those things as an iteration of the final solution. But I also believe that the thing that you deliver should work. (laughs) So I don't like the idea, for example, of taking an outside-in approach and actually delivering a UI that doesn't do anything and calling that a deliverable. And then, oh, we're going to have another deliverable that is wiring it up to the back end. I would rather see a smaller component of that UI delivered in its fullness and then another small component of that UI and then another one so that at least what you're delivering works. And this came up again this week in in some of my work and in one of my projects where a feature was being offered in a pull request that wasn't really done. There was some hard coding of some values. There was some some UI elements that were put into a page that weren't connected to anything. So they, they were kind of just placeholder. And they matched the design, but they didn't actually do stuff. Yeah. And so to me, that's not that's not the right approach. But again, this comes with experience. To me, I'm looking at this. In this case, it was uh, some dates being displayed for a report. And I thought, well, we don't want to just put the words as an example, dates go here. Right. Well, that's we don't need that. That's placeholder. It doesn't really or the dates are a lie or something like right. that. Right. It doesn't it doesn't convey anything when in fact at the time that we were delivering that feature, we did have data. And so real dates were available. So why not just connect them up? And and so again, this was an opportunity to guide and teach the teammate that I was working with to say, we can deliver this thing. 
in a more meaningful way. And I recognize what he's trying to say about outside in and inside out, but I would rather see both sides be approached, just make them smaller so that you can deliver. I think that's a good way to look at it. Uh, well, in the interest of time, is there anything, are there any like final points that you want to pull out of this article and, and highlight, or is there anything that you learned that you want to make sure that other people have learned out of this? I think that the very last point that he makes, and it's not one of the reasons, but it's basically his summary of this whole thing. And I think in a lot of ways, it it speaks to, in the same way that we are about this problem. And that is that he he suggests here that we have some self-awareness. Do I know what I'm doing? Do I have a plan? Is this the simplest thing I could do? And what is the problem I'm trying to solve? It's easy to get too lost in the woods to ask mm-hmm. those questions. And that's the important thing, I think, that to come out of this whole thing is, it, first of all, it's not okay to be comfortably incompetent or comfortably... Reverse backwards incompetent? Well, comfortably naive. Ah, I see. It is okay to be naive. It is okay to be learning. It is okay to not know all the things. I, I, I've been doing Rails for a very long time, and there's still parts of the API I don't know. There's still things I learn all the time about both Ruby and Rails. But I don't sit back and assume that I know the things. I, I know that there's more that I need to know. And so the first one is, do I know what I'm doing? That, to me, is the most important part. Am I using the right tool for the job? Am I leveraging my backend database to create a roll-up report? Or am I trying to pull all those records into Ruby and then somehow iterate through them and create some structure of my own? These are things that I should figure out, right? I need to know the best approach to those kinds of things. And so do I have a plan? Have I looked at what needs to be delivered on this story? Have I asked myself critically, if they're the right things, are there other things that didn't get thought about in this story based on my knowledge of the code base or of the feature of what the client's really trying to do, things like this? Because sometimes we get stories from clients that they don't they haven't are yeah, they haven't thought these things through. So don't don't assume. Or as you implement, you find like, hey, you know, this works in a certain way, but if it's pretty obvious that you're gonna need like a filter or uh, right. it's not very useful because it doesn't do X then that's our opportunity to right. make sure that productivity is maintained by not having to like ship it out, hear the feedback, have it come back. Instead, we can solve those problems. Right. As soon as we had identified those things, we reach out and we say, hey, what about this? And and that and that definitely has happened this week uh, in this particular feature, this reporting feature. We've found things and we've figured things out based on what data was available and what the story said and things like this. And there were corrections that were made along the way. So not assuming that it's all just fine, that all you need to do is what's in the story. Do ask critically, is this really the story? Is this really what the client needs to deliver value for their project? And and I'm using the word client, but if you work in a company where you're building a product, then the client is you. The client is your boss or your company or or whatever. And is it the simplest thing I could do? If I look at this story and I say, hmm, there's probably some smaller pieces here, or the way we identify it is if the story was pointed too high, it probably has some smaller pieces that could be broken out. Yes. And then I, I guess we've sort of covered this, but what is the problem I'm trying to solve? Am I 
solving the right problem. Again, going back to my example of using the database, am I solving the right problem? Am I leveraging the database to give myself an output that it is more likely to generate efficiently than if I pulled it all into Ruby and then did it myself? Classic application Um, reporting interface problems. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Again, classic, but only to the people who have done it, right? That's, that's true. That's true. So everyone writes their, or at least modern, many modern application developers will always write their first reporting interface where they load all the data from the database. That's right. Manually manipulate it in their scripting language and then return it to the user 29 minutes later. That's right. <laughs> we have, don't worry, the timeout is 30 minutes. So that's right. Good. We have all done that and we have all hacked that timeout to make sure that it would work. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. No, so, no, we've never done that. No, no, we don't ever do that. So for me, I would say uh, if I could advise anyone, and this, again, it goes, it, this doesn't just apply to junior developers, it applies to anyone who is trying to learn and to get better in this field is that, Ask questions early and often. Know what you don't know and be okay with it and ask how to get better at it. Google, obviously, Stack Overflow, these things, they're all so helpful when you know what question to ask. And you'll know what question to ask by spending a little bit of time in your stack, in your environment, whatever it is that you're trying to get better at and exploring and trying to uh, experiment and make new things. You know, in my video game learning, I uh, just this week have been messing around with 2D animation, which I didn't know really anything about. So I had to do some Googling. I watched some videos, whatever. But most importantly, I wrote some code and I tried to implement some things and I even drew some pictures and things that don't come natural to me. I let myself be a student, and I think that's probably the most important thing that really all of us can get out of this experience of being engineers is is be a student and and continually try to get better at the craft. Yeah, I think that that's a fantastic place to wrap up. Sounds good to me. Sounds great. <laughs> so thank you, everyone, for listening. If you want even more interestings, please sign up for our newsletter at codingzeal.com slash interestings or follow us on Twitter at CodingZeal. Thanks for listening, everyone. This has been Zeal Interestings Podcast. Have a good week. Thanks, everyone. See ya.